My poor brother. Whatever shall I tell our sister? You can tell them the silly fools at the border mistook me for someone else. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 40, in which today we're going to be talking about another book adaptation to young Indiana Jones, The Secret Peace, which is based off of Frank Darabont's script for Austria 1917, which is the first half of Adventures in the Secret Service. Uh, so we've done a few of these book adaptations so far with uh, Trek of Doom and Prisoner of War from um, Trenches of Hell and Oganga the Giver and Taker of Life. And so we're going to take another look at this one and talk about some of the similarities and differences and how this changes the perspective of the story. Because what's interesting about these book adaptations is they were written directly from the script in 1992. So it's a little bit of an archaeological dig, I guess you could say, <laughs> into what the uh, original episodes would have looked like. So without further ado, let's jump into this one, shall we? Yes, we shall. You know, I personally like the like the all of these book adaptations for many reasons. You know, they're because they're again, as you said, based off the original script. So, you know, if something was cut out at the very very last minute, that may be in here that, you know, is not in the uh final episode, which I think is very very interesting. And also, it's very interesting to see, you know, kind of the differences between this and the actual episode. I mean, again, these were an an adaptation basically of what the episode was and I don't know if these I think some of these were created before the episode was filmed and after the episode was filmed so that also makes for a very interesting comparison yeah and kind of going off of that what I like about these is you have to consider that the scripts for these show uh, was made for an actual television series so uh, when you think about translating this into sort of a book style, it kind of changes it. And especially what's interesting is how we have already seen uh, the actual episode ourselves and now looking at it from the book. Whereas it's kind of interesting if you were to go the other way around, right? And you were to look at the book and then watch the episode. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And uh, jumping in here, I love the cover of this, by the way. It's that awesome photo, right? Uh, Indy right as he crosses the border and looks back. Uh, and oh, I just love that awesome cover uh, of the front of the book there. Oh yes, the cover art to all of these books is just super duper amazing, especially, I love this one especially because it's kind of that moment where it's like, I, you know, uh, I took the one, the win this round, but I'm sure you'll take the next one kind of thing. Right, and one thing I also forgot to mention in last week's episode is, uh, this first half was actually directed by the one and only Vic Armstrong, who was actually... Uh, did a lot of the stunts for uh, all three of the indie movies. And I think he even did a little bit of Crystal Skull, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's actually kind of cool that he gets his... I think this might be his uh, director debut. I don't know if he's done anything else, but definitely a pretty popular name. He uh, did some stunt doubling for indie, actually, in the movies as well. So kind of cool to have that little sort of uh, hidden indie fact there. That is very interesting. I did not know that. That's pretty cool to learn. Yeah, and we, we talked about as well, I think it was uh, Paris 1916, Demons of Deception. Carrie Fisher, the one and only Princess Leia, also got a chance to direct there. And so really kind of interesting how, you know, they just kind of went all over the place. I mean, they had directors for each and every episode, which, you know, goes with the whole different style of everything as well. Yes, definitely. It really does. I mean, especially just th these entire books, just in my opinion, are pr really, really good. And 
you know, if, again, if you were to compare these to, like, especially if, you know, if these were used as a teaching tool, like, if they were to give the kids the book and then the, they would follow along, you know, maybe with the movie after they've read the book, that would be something very, very interesting to, you know, kind of experience. Right, because it does follow along pretty closely with the actual episode, which is interesting. And I also wanted to mention something as well about kind of the first page here and like the back of the book as well. I love these uh, kind of quotes that you can kind of tell are really trying to be a little bit over-enthusiastic to promote the show, which is kind of funny and cool, right? Like, uh, only one man for the job, young Indiana Jones, and all that sort of stuff. So you can see that throughout the book, and also there's the Lucasfilm fan club uh, ad at the back of the book as well, if you have that. So just great uh, memories back to that. And going into the first chapter here, one thing I wanted to bring up, which I think is something that you actually mentioned, Max, in the last episode uh, when we talked about the books, is... These do not have the George Holt bookends, yet they were written in 1992. Kind of interesting there. Yes, it is very interesting. You know, it would be cool to see maybe the books with the bookends. Like, oh, you know what would be really fun? If you watched the bookends for this episode, so you watch the first bookend on um, YouTube, then you read the book, and then you watch the ending part of the bookend. That'd be kind of cool. That would. And, you know, that brings up an interesting point, how, of course, they decided to eventually get rid of the bookends for uh, the re-edits when they made it, you know, uh, the show on DVD. And so the fact that they're not included here in these 1992 book adaptations is very interesting. And I think one of the reasons is they were looking for more of a cohesive story, right? Just Indy doing this one adventure instead of these sort of flashback kind of things. So that's my guess as to why they probably didn't do that. But, you know, it's interesting to know. And so um, going into the first chapter here, we actually uh, start on when Indy is on the bicycle, um, and I think this was also because of the re-edits, because that small added beginning section there as well, kind of transitioning from Attack of the Hawkmen. And we see uh, these very vivid descriptions of how the war has changed Paris, and a lot of sort of internal dialogue with Indy coming off of these first few pages here. Yes, definitely. I mean, there is a lot of, uh, you know, dialogue with Indy kind of thinking to himself here. And, uh, you know, one of a, a quote that I love from this first page here is everyone says you got to see April in Paris. And, you know, Indy's kind of thinking to himself, but they never mention how lousy March can be because, you know, it, it kind of has two meanings, I guess you could say. Right. It's just really, really funny. Yeah, I, I like that as well. And one thing that we'll, I'll talk about a little bit later as well is I found Indy's character to be kind of portrayed in a different way, especially with a lot of these added sort of like subconscious thoughts that we get to look into. He, he didn't really feel like the Indy that was portrayed in the actual episode. So I found that a little bit interesting as well, especially with some of those added quotes like that. You know, there's a lot of sarcasm and, you know, a lot of interesting subtle remarks that are throughout here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, all those subtle remarks really, you know, kind of they kind of add to Indy's character in a way that we don't really see in the episode. Because, you know, again, in the episode, we can't see what Indy is thinking. Like, the only time we see what Indy is thinking without him speaking is when he's writing to Ned, but that's not really what he's thinking, I guess you could say. Right, and especially considering this episode has a very sort of, like, outside perspective, especially that whole huge dialogue scene with Emperor Carl and, and uh, the Empress as well. And, you, you know, Indy's just kind of sitting there, you know, listening to everything and here you know where you're focusing on indy's perspective here as well so that was kind of cool and um we also see this of course the the same scene in which uh sixtus and xavier you know they drive and indy you know falls on the side of the road same thing kind of happens there 
Um, but moving into kind of the second chapter here, we have a brand new kind of added part here, which is a conversation uh, between the Colonel and Sixtus and Xavier about this assignment. And supposedly they proposed the idea of meeting with Emperor Carl to talk about this peace agreement. And so we hear them kind of talk before Indy even enters the room. Yes, we do, which is very, very interesting. You know, they're kind of talking about how, you know, they should, you know, what they're going to do, you know, if, you know, how it's very, very risky, you know, there's going to be, are you sure you want to do this? All this stuff. And they're like, you know, they finally basically say, yeah, you can go, but we're sending a spy with you. And they're like, send in uh, Henry de Fonce. And they both, uh, Xavier and the and his brother, all look in shock as uh, Indy enters the room. Right. And I also love as well there, you kind of get this sense of the personality, especially of Sixtus, who we talked about was kind of a hilarious and different take on, you know, that historical figure. And I love how we did get that sort of sense here coming right from the book as well with these dialogue and these kind of thoughts as well. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, you do see that. I mean, again, a lot of the dialogue in here is very, very similar to the show. So that's not exactly a surprise. But again, to see that they really, really, uh, you know, paid attention to detail by making him the very same character that he is in the episode really adds to his depth, especially if you were to read this and watch the episode. Right. And something I also like going back to the dialogue thing here is that I feel like uh, a lot of the dialogue is really kept in here, which I like. And we talked about how in Trek of Doom, especially, a lot of stuff was changed around, especially with some added scenes with Major Boucher. Here, I like how a lot of the dialogue was kept word for word, but they also added dialogue to go off of that. Instead of just changing everything and doing it differently, they had the same dialogue from the show, but then added on top of that. Because especially some of these quotes that we remember, right? Like, uh, you know, that's uh, Captain, uh, you know, uh, Captain they phones to you, Second Lieutenant. You know, unless you're dressed for a masquerade, I fully expect to be saluted. Like that kind of thing. Word for word in there, you know, that whole sort of thing. So I really like that as well. Yeah, I do love that quote that Indy says, you know, I fully expect to be saluted because, you know, again, that's really a fun, that's a funny quote. Uh, but, you know, it's just really, it's one of those uh, very famous Indy quotes, especially from this episode. Right. And speaking of Indy, I found him to be a little bit feisty in this one, especially a little <laughs> bit like, <laughs> like some of the little quotes that he says and some of the, you know, especially like that whole persona that we were talking about right when, you know, uh, you know, they're just talking and, you know, treating us like a holiday at Indy, you know, whistles and like, let's get one thing straight. A lot of that goes through like the rest of the episode too. He does have a bit of a feisty side to him that we see. Yes, which we don't really see in all the other episodes, mainly because from here on out, Indy is uh, involved with a bunch of love interests. But that's not the point. Right. <laughs> uh, we've already talked about that. Uh. Yeah, those episodes are coming for sure. And speaking of that, we, we go into the next scene here, which uh, is almost basically the same as what they talk about. You know, uh, Indy, of course, tells them, let's get one thing straight. You know, this is serious business. Um, and I love the quote there as well. He's like, look at you dressed like a couple of Parisian dandies off to the gaming tables. And, you know, he says all these hilarious quotes, which are just brilliant. They're so funny, and those were in there as well. I love how you really get a sense of what those are, because especially when you hear it, right, it doesn't stick with you as much necessarily. So here you get the whole sort of, I guess, transcript, you could say, of all those great quotes. Um, we do have a little bit of added dialogue here as we learn about kind of Sixtus and Xavier and their role in the war and how they actually didn't get to join the French army. Right, they, you know, they were uh, actually barred basically from the from joining the French army because of their uh, Bourbon 
uh, heritage. They were basically like, you they are they weren't not allowed to join, but uh, they ended up joining the Belgian army, uh, as you can see, mainly because their cousin is the king of Belgium. <laughs> right, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their entire family is royal. Their uh, their sister is uh, the Empress of Austria, and their uh, their cousin is uh, a king. So right, basically, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and. Uh, I also like here, we have a little bit of a, a throwback to Remy here, uh, as uh, we see a little bit of an inner thought in which Indy thinks about Remy here. Yes, we do, and I really loved that, especially because, you know, we, I, no, it wasn't last episode, I believe it was two episodes ago where uh, Remy actually left, and, we, you know, it was very, very sad, you know, we did not expect that to happen, really, because, you know, him and Remy are very best friends, and yet, well... Remy's gone. It's very, very sad. Right. So I like that we had a little bit of a throwback to that, especially. And there was another throwback, too, which we'll talk about in a second here. But I like that as well. So um, and, and going off of that, I felt that the characterization in this uh, book adaptation here felt a lot different. And one of the things I, I would be curious to do, which I guess we can't really do at this point, but is to read one of these books on their own. And as I was reading this, I tried to think about this in the sense of what would it be like if you've never seen the episode? And I'll talk about this a little bit once we finish the book here, but I found this book to be a little bit different than how it would have felt watching the episode, which of course makes sense because you're not actually viewing anything, but even like the little things like the characterization here, very interesting. Yeah, and speaking of viewing things, something I wanted to mention, all these books in the middle have uh, about 10 pages where they show scenes from the episode, which is very, very interesting, which I guess indicates to me that these were probably written after a preliminary uh, version of the uh, episode was actually filmed. Right, and I love that they're all in that quite, like, old sort of black and white kind of, oh, it really, they're really cool. And, you know, it gives you that nostalgia to the episode, especially if you've seen it as well. And then the captions under it, which explain the scene, which is great. And so uh, I really like that as well. And so um, transitioning kind of into the next scene here, basically the same whole sort of thing. Uh, we have the whole idea with the, you know, the Austrian secret police, uh, of course, take Sixtus away when they're crossing the border. Um, it, it definitely, when they're crossing the border, it doesn't seem as sort of epic and dramatic when you're in the episode, especially we talked about the music and the soundtrack review really played a big part in that, especially the lighting and the shading of the cinematography. You don't really get that here. It just feels like they're crossing a border like, you know, it's just a walk in the park. Uh, so <laughs> you don't really get that sort of same epic feel, which is a little bit disappointing, but still you kind of get the whole idea and he comes back and he's mistaken for someone else, of course. Right, and something I want to mention that comes right before the border is, you know, they really make a big deal of Indy burning the letter from their sister, you know, they start shouting at him, and he's just, he's just standing there, you know, saying, well, how would, how, what would have you done when you were caught with this at the border, like, nothing, like, it's nothing out of the ordinary, just another old day burning down, uh, you know, some priceless letter. <laughs> right, exactly, some family heirloom, yeah, that was funny, too, I like that that was sort of emphasized as well, and Speaking of that, this chapter has a few differences. The whole wrong compartment scene, quote-unquote, uh, is completely eliminated here. We don't really get that at all, uh, where Indy, of course, uh, their tickets get taken. He goes into the wrong compartment, finds that guy, suspect he's like secret police. Turns out he was just, you know, in the wrong compartment, of course. That is completely eliminated here. Um, and we have a little bit of a flashback to Sophie from uh, Perils of Cupid, which I was so glad that that was referenced here because, of course, Indy is back in Austria years later. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. You know, Sophie wasn't Austrian now that I think about it. And so, 
I guess uh, maybe maybe now that uh, the art Duke Franz Ferdinand is dead, maybe uh, Indy uh, had a secret love affair with Sophie. Oh yeah, is that... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, know, you know it's funny because it was also mentioned in Oganga when he looks at the locket, and so yet again we have another book here with Sophie coming back, and that would have I think been fun to have a little bit of a callback, especially to that, and you know. Uh, that would have been kind of cool, I think. But, you know, it is what it is. Nice that it was referenced here by whoever, you know, wrote this book, that they're kind of acknowledging sort of the canon and timeline of Young India. I like that. And um, the same sort of scene here happens with Schultz, who happens to be the lady on the train, of course, kind of going back to that whole scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do love that scene there where, you know, the woman from the train, uh, you know, she's there and it turns out she is, you know, the uh, their contact once they get off the train, which is very, very interesting. You know, uh, she beat them to the punch by finding them. They didn't have to find her, which is very, very uh, interesting. You know, it's very, very similar to, you know, I mean, they, down to even where they are and where they receive, you know, their papers and those, uh, you know, the the little uh, baked uh, pastries, right? Uh, they even describe the room they're in, which is really, really interesting. And it is very, very similar to how it is uh, portrayed in the episode. Right. I completely agree. I like that they kind of describe the room there. Uh, and the pastries actually weren't in the book, though, which actually now, I rem now I'm remembering the book here. I don't think those were actually included, interesting enough, uh, which, you know, when they're eating them, and of course, Mr. Max takes a bite out of them as well. Uh, and speaking of Mr. Max, uh, that entire next scene here, which is chapter uh, six, I think, uh, there's a little bit of a new added dialogue. Basically, the insane thing happens, though. They arrive at the address, of course, of the building. They realize that the secret police have already kind of uh, been there, right? They broke up this ring of spies that we kind of learn about here. And so basically sort of the same thing happening there, uh, just kind of an extended dialogue here. Yes, definitely. And, you know, there's a very, very uh, funny kind of thing that uh, the narrator says here. And he's like, for the next hour or so, Mr. Max took them on a zigzagging tour of the poor neighborhoods ringing Vienna Central City, which I kind of find a bit funny considering, you know, we basically just see Mr. Max get in the car and tell them to drive, which is very, very interesting. And here, you know, they describe everything that kind of happened uh, in the scenes after they met Mr. Max. Yeah, I especially like, too, how also we see some descriptions of what they actually see uh, when they get to that small little town. Not really sure where that is at the moment, but, uh, you know, when we see that scene in, in the episode where, of course, they uh, Mr. Max gets in the car, like, all that sort of stuff around them is described here. Uh, another reference to Sophie here when Indy sees the Ferris wheel as well. So it's cool how that was all described as well uh, and kind of going off with that. We still have the same sort of situation, and of course, in which they go to that sort of like restaurant and cafe, similar dialogue where Sixtus doesn't really trust Mr. Max, and we see this whole sort of thing where they get taken away. We get introduced to the guy with the monocle. Very interesting there. Yes, we do. And something I love is, uh, you know, the guy with the monocle is very, very prominent in the, you know, ever since the border uh, in the actual episode. But we very, we only get introduced to him here at the bar in this book as he's not introduced at the border, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. And the next scene also is pretty similar as we transfer to the dungeon, of course. Uh, and that's funny as well as we, of course, uh, see Emperor Carl here. And there was a great quote, by the way, here. Uh, as you know, of course, they're, uh, they try to escape, but of course they get taken down to the dungeon and they finally see the huge palace of Emperor Carl. And, uh, Emperor, and it, there was a hilarious quote here. It said, 
Emperor Carl gave the princess a couple hearty back slaps, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> as a kind of there as well. It kind of reminds me of the Belgian salute uh, Remy gave Indy. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, I love that as well. Just kind of some interesting... I, I don't even think... I think that was just like what the narrator threw in there. So yeah, uh, of course, we get to that huge scene there. Uh, and we also... I found this to be kind of interesting. Uh, this next scene here with the Count... Uh, same sort of dialogue. It is expanded upon a little bit, uh, but the same sort of main things are talked about here. And what I like is we do have a little bit of a discussion about the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which was the emperor right before Karl. So I like that that was also alluded to as maybe a little bit of a reference to Perils of Cupid and more backstory on the origins of World War One. Right. You know what surprises me? So, you know, in uh, when we see in the episode with Sophie, we see Indy, he's, you know, he's in the palace uh, where Sophie lives, where the Arduke lives. And yet this is a completely different palace. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, that's actually interesting that you bring that up. I did not even think of that. Uh, maybe it's a different place, but yeah, or, or maybe just some sort of continuity error. But that's interesting. <laughs> uh, Schönborn Palace is what it's called, which is interesting. Uh, and so I like that also as well. We do have that throwback to Perils of Cupid. I think, you know, it just, it adds a little bit of like, oh, that's what happened. This is how this sort of adds and builds upon that as well. Because in the episode, right, unless you, you know, knew that, of course, uh, Indy was in Vienna back then and is in Austria here, you would have had no idea that this was a, a quote-unquote callback to that. So I like that that was emphasized here as well. And so uh, this last little scene here is interesting as well, as Indy actually gets uh, a room in sort of the castle here, and uh, he gets a room to stay in while he's here for a few days, and we see this, like, guy with binoculars, this, like, spy who, like, notices them through the window. Yes, which we don't see in the episode at all, which is very, very interesting. Kind of, again, you know, another kind of, you know, uh, mysterious thing that, uh, you know, happens here in the episode, uh, or sorry, here in the book, that maybe was planned for the episode, but never ended up making it to fruition. Very, very interesting. Yeah, and we I think we talked about this last time, too, how are these just things that the author added? Are these deleted scenes? Like, what are they? Very interesting to think about here, especially. Uh, as we transition into the next scene here, uh, we have more dialogue between the Emperor and Indy. And we actually see that Indy considers asking about Princess Sophie here, which is kind of interesting. And I also love here we have a, a little bit of a quote here uh, as well, which is which is interesting as well when uh, the Emperor is talking to Indy. I, I just like the dialogue there and the quotes that were used, which were expanded upon from the actual episode. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I totally agree. And, you know, moving into this next scene here, you know, we have um, the uh, Count coming back and, uh, you know, the Prince is uh, basically, he's not too happy with what the Count has to say. You know, he's basically kind of screaming at the Count and I love how they're all sitting around the table. Everybody's just looking at Sixtus like, what are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And I love as well this part here uh, in which there was a funny quote that they said. I can't remember what it exactly was. But uh, it, it wasn't, like, directly referencing it, but it said cracked a whip in there. And I found that hilarious because they weren't obviously referencing the whip. It was more of a little bit of, like, a metaphor to something else that uh, the Count had said. But I'm like, you really had to include that? I think that was maybe on purpose, of course. The whole like, characterization with Indy and the whip, which I thought was hilarious that that was in there. And the end of this is different as well, as we don't have the famous, quote-unquote, Shakespeare quote that Sixtus says. And we also never actually see uh, the Emperor actually sign and craft the new letter, which he gives to Indy. Right. I mean, we do see him give it to uh, uh, Indy. Like, uh, we... 
we do, you know, see him fling his arms around Indy, which catches him by surprise and slipping something, uh, you know, into his side pocket. But we don't actually see, um, you know, him crafting the note or signing the note or any of that. And something I also, like, wanted to mention is uh, the guy with the monocle is there when, you know, uh, Indy gets back into the car, if I'm not mistaken, but he is not there in this scene. Yeah, really interesting as well how he has some kind of new appearances throughout this book, and especially later towards the end. And uh, before we move into the next chapter here, since I have the book right here, I figured we could go through these uh, photos and talk about what we see here, because we uh, this is the part in which we have this like whole sort of uh, collection of the photos. So the first one here is uh, the mysterious Schultz gives new Austrian identity papers to Indy, Xavier, and Sixtus. And so the photo here is, uh, of course, of Schultz, Indy, Xavier, and Sixtus in that sort of like little cottage area, and them, they are uh, receiving their new papers. And uh, the next scene here is hilarious, as we have this great close-up on Indy. Uh, it says, with the help of a pistol, Mr. Max tells Indy exactly where to drive, and so we see a black and white photo there as well. I love Indy's face expression in this photo. He's just, he looks like he's about to murder someone. He's like, Arr. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks furious. It's hilarious. I don't know if we actually, I don't remember seeing that exact close-up in the episode. Maybe I just missed it, but... Um, the next one here says a frightening journey to an unknown destination outside Vienna ends in more terror for Indy and the princes. So this is when they step outside of the car and all the soldiers are there right before the dungeon scene there, which was kind of interesting. I like that was a classic scene, especially with the uh, cinematography and the shading there. I love that. Uh, the next one here is Indy, uh, Empress Zita, uh, the Count, Sixtus, Xavier, listen as Emperor Carl speaks of conditions for a secret peace. And we have that amazing scene of the, just the interior of that castle, which is just beautiful, uh, which is great. I love that they included that one. Uh, the next one is the menacing monocled man orders his private army to go after Indy and the princes upstairs. And so that's kind of in the next scene here uh, with when they're going across the rooftops and that sort of thing. Uh, an extension upon that with the next photo here is Indy and the Prince's flee murderous thugs through the sinister alleyways of Vienna. There's a great <laughs> shot there of them running for their lives, basically, uh, throughout that great corridor. And then the next one here is disguised as secret agents, Sixtus and Xavier get past Count von Bühler at the, Aust uh, the Austrian border. And so we see them, you know, just about to cross the borders. We see the monocle man kind of looking at them just barely there. And then the final one here is in a daring move, Indy swings over the Swiss border to safety. And of course, we see the very uh, famous shot at the end of the first half here where Indy just barely gets over the uh, Austrian border there as we have the famous young Indy theme that plays. And so those were the photos included in the book. Uh, some great flashbacks to the episode. Yes. Now, I guess that the monocle man is named Count von Buhler, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as they said in that uh, picture there. Yeah. Uh, Count von Buhler? Bueller? Uh, Ferris, I, at first thing I thought it was Ferris Bueller when, right. I, when I said that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's supposedly his name, though. Uh, I don't know if he actually was a fictional character or rather a real character. That I don't know. Most of the people in this episode, of course, uh, the princes, the emperor, the count, those were all real people. I'm not sure about the monocled man. He never actually has a name in the episode, at least. So interesting there as well. And so uh, moving into the next scene here, uh, well, of course, we, like you were mentioning, uh, Indy gets the letter from, uh, of course, the emperor secretly. And uh, of course, he shows uh, Sixtus and Xavier the letter. And of course, they're happy as can be. And uh, now we kind of transition uh, when we get to the building where they're going to get their papers and disguises from Mr. Max. And I love the imagery and the vivid descriptions here as we kind of really feel what that kind of building is like. You know, it's at night. Uh, you know, you can see kind of this grainy texture and sort of the cinematography. Really interesting there. 
Right, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, even it's, you know, they're looking for Mr. Max, and they're like, Mr. Max, hello? You know, and they hear, they even say in the book, which is very, very interesting, creak, creak, which is very, very descriptive and vivid. It really gives you kind of that eerie, ooh, something is not right here uh, feel that we do get when we're watching the episode. Right, especially as that leads into that great fight sequence, which is extended a little bit here. It's described very well, I think, uh, as we, of course, Indy jumps over the table and uh, Sixtus and uh, Xavier try to grab the guy's knife and then he pulls out the gun, shoots at Indy, right? Uh, that whole sort of great scene here, Indy charges at him. Uh, and then the staircase scene when he's hanging on the thread by his fingertips and just really great. Of course, not as fun as actually watching it, but in terms of how they were able to describe it, I thought it was pretty uh, well represented in the book here. Yes, definitely. It was very well represented, uh, especially uh, compared to the episode. You know, it's almost it's almost identical, which is very, very interesting. You know, they're talking about how, uh, you know, even ju just like up to the point where they're saying Indy is hanging there above the spiral staircase. You know, they didn't just say staircase, they said spiral staircase just to give it that, you know, exact, very vivid feel, which you need in a book since there's, you know, no videos or music or any of that stuff. Right, and I like also as well here how, you know, they have that scene where they jump onto the fire escape as well, and then, you know, they're running down through, you know, these kind of alleyways in Austria, and we have that huge look on top of them as we see the shadows through that huge tunnel. That whole scene there is great as well, and then, of course, when they get to that big open square and they hide uh, in the sewers there, and this is when we actually have dialogue from the Monocle Man himself. We hear a lot of that here. Right, I mean, I, again, we only... I. I think at the episode we only see the Monocle Man speak maybe once, if even at all. I can't exactly remember. Does he speak at all in the episode? Uh, I don't think he does at all. I don't think we ever hear him say anything, or we never find out his name. He's just kind of that uh, quote-unquote villain who's just kind of there in the background, I guess. Here he has, like you said, he has a name now, as we talked about, and then of course also some dialogue here. Really awesome there, as that was kind of added on. Yeah, it is very interesting, and I like that they kind of added the whole dialogue. Well, you know, uh, Indy and the princes are in the sewer, and this monocle man has, you know, a lot of dialogue. I think that's very, very interesting that they added that, and, you know, I would actually love to see that in the episode if that was originally planned. Yeah, definitely. I think it adds a little bit more characterization to him, especially since we see him, like, you think he's going to be this, like, big, you know, uh, bad villain, you know, and we never actually really get that from him, uh, especially at the end when, you know, he kind of tips his hat to Indy, right? Uh, that whole sort of thing. So I guess that was kind of more of a character choice, but interesting in terms of how his character changes a little bit here from the actual episode. And uh, that transitions into chapter 12, which is basically almost all new material, as we have this entire extended sequence in which we see Indy, Sixtus, and Xavier basically, like, going through kind of the, the sewer, which is where they hid, right? That transitions right to the train scene in the episode. Here, there's a bunch of dialogue and stuff. I'm wondering if this was a deleted scene. It was decently extensive for a few pages here. Yes, and if it was a deleted scene, I would love to see that. That'd be kind of cool. You know, all we really see is the Monocle Man open the hatch, and we see a quick shot of the, you know, flowing water down in the sewer there, but we don't see Indy, Xavier, or Sixtus at all in there. We just see the empty sewer, and then we transition right to the train scene, which is very, very interesting. Right, so here, you know, there's this whole idea, and Indy talks about how now he knows that it's really the Germans who are after him, not the Austrian secret police. And so, uh, you know, they keep going, and uh, there's these descriptions of, of course, Indy can see the light of the street above them, which was really awesome. 
And so it then transitions into, of course, the famous train scene when they're back on the train. And most of this is basically the same as, of course, uh, uh, they get on the train, of course. We have that great quote, you know, what a wonderful smell you've discovered from Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, uh, the monocle man and, you know, all of his guys get on the train, of course, search through. And there's, of course, the infamous bathroom scene when Sixus and Xavier talk in high-pitched voices and distract <laughs> them away. And then uh, the whole ploy with Indy, you know, trying to get caught and then running to the other end while Sixus and Xavier knock some sense in room, grab their papers, the disguises, that whole thing, you know, extensively talked about here, but basically the same. Yeah, something I love about that scene where, you know, uh, they knock out those guys and take their coats is, uh, you know, they mention how one of the guys just fell to the ground like a tree while the other one uh, took one step forward and then just uh, kind of fell to the ground like a snake or whatever. And right. I, you know, they describe that in such good detail. It's kind of funny just to read it. You know, it's like, it's just super duper funny. Right, it is. I like how they had a little bit of those odes too to like just kind of adding a little bit more humor to it. It was great. And um, the last scene here is a little bit different, but mainly the same. Of course, we have the climactic scene at the end where Indy's on top of the train and then tries to jump across the border. And what's interesting here is, of course, we have uh, more dialogue from the Monocle Man again. And this last climactic scene is just a tad different as we have a little bit more insight into how Indy actually gets across and jumps on that top bar. Right, which is very interesting. And, you know, we even see that here where, uh, you know, Count Von Bueller is here, uh, you know, sh uh, telling his men to shoot through the roof as Indy is running on the train, as the train is, you know, kind of starting to reverse back into uh, Austria as, you know, he's trying to get across the border, which is, you know, uh, uh, very, very cool. And I think that's just, just all the dialogue and, you know, how they you know, do it so well and so detailed. It's just really, really cool, especially here. And even the dialogue with the Monocle Man just really adds to the detail of, you know, this kind of the indie climactic scene here. Right, especially as well here, you know, in the episode, it's pretty short. We just see Indy kind of run across and jump on. Here, it's described in a little bit more detail to add to that suspense. Of course, you didn't get the same feeling reading this. But yeah, and of course, he jumps, you know, across on the other side. Uh, Sixus and Xavier, you know, are, are excited, of course, and we see the Monocle Man tip his hat, and then at the end, uh, you know, Indy's, of course, we have that little narration, Indy wonders whether Sixus and Xavier ever get the letter back safely, and that uh, puts an end to the book, and we actually have a little bit of a cool thing, which happens in all the book adaptations, a little bit of a historical note which talks about the actual real history in the book. And uh, if you read that, it's just about two pages. Uh, you'll learn that most of this was actually true. Of course, Indy was not involved at all. Um, but of course, <laughs> they did actually draft uh, a few letters and tried a few times to write to the Kaiser. And uh, of course, the princes, the emperor, the count, all of those were real historical figures. And Emperor Karl, unfortunately, was the last emperor of Austria-Hungary. So very interesting as the historical note kind of wraps this book up. And with that said, what do we think of this book adaptation here? You know, I thought this book was really, really okay. It wasn't good, but it also wasn't bad, you know. The main thing I liked about this book is the Monocle Man. Um, you know, he really has a very prominent role in, especially in the end of the end part of this book. Without it, I think this book would have been a, a lot more boring than it actually was. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought this book was pretty good. Uh, for, for someone who has already seen the episode, of course, I think it was a little bit less interesting to us since we've known about all of this. But uh, again, I think we came off of some uh, pretty great reviews of Prisoner of War for Trenches of Hell. We found a lot of cool stuff in there. I think Trek of Doom was a little bit underwhelming, and I think this kind of came back. And uh, I really liked this one. I thought there was some really interesting choices here in terms of what did they add, what did they get rid of, in terms of, you know, some of the stuff we didn't see in the episode. And Lots of things they did add, and a very interesting sort of characterization in terms of how that changed in the story. So, um, on a grand scale, though, this is basically the same episode. I mean, it didn't change the perspective of the story as much as I think Trek of Doom did. Uh, we talked a lot about how Major Boucher was completely different. I think it changed the story a lot. This one, I think, was, oh, some things were different, some things were similar. Uh, but speaking of that, uh, of course, we're reading this book after watching the episode. Let's say for the sake of the example, you've never seen Young Indy, which will be hard to kind of uh, judge here, but let's just kind of pretend for a second that we've never seen Young Indy and we read this book. How would we interpret this story and how do you think uh, we would actually th think of the story? And I kind of thought about this on my own. I think maybe I wouldn't like it as much. I think there's a lot of very important things that are actually included in the episode and, uh, you know, visually seen that add a lot to this story that can't be told here in a book. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. You know, there is a lot of stuff that can be told in a book that was, you know, in here, and especially in the episode there. Right, and so I, I think it adds a little bit of a different side of it. It's like, if you were to read this book, I think it's it's not as good as the episode, of course. You know, Young and <laughs> of course, the episodes are fantastic on their own, but uh, kind of interesting to see there, like, you know, how close is this to actually watching the episode? So, uh, with that said, I think that about wraps up today's episode. Uh, if you're new to the podcast and you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. Uh, if you want to learn more about our podcast, be sure to visit our website. You can find us at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com. We've got all our podcast episodes listed there for your listening convenience, as well as a great links page if you want to learn more about the expanded universe of Indiana Jones. And finally, to stay up to date on news and announcements and be part of the Indie community here, you can like us and follow us over on our Facebook page at the Indiana Jones Universe Podcast. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.